Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Draft week is here, and man, the first round can't arrive soon enough because the hot takes, the unsourced rumors, it's hitting another level over the last few weeks. It is just insanity out there. It seems like you could just create a new account on Twitter or Reddit or wherever, and you could just drop some story about how your brother's boss's friend knows somebody who knows somebody who said that, you know, team X is going to trade for this player or how this prospect has something wrong with him. And people start sharing it like it's guaranteed to be true. And I get that everyone wants to be early on stories. Everybody wants to seem like they're in the know, but really the vast majority of the reports and the rumors, the stuff you've heard over the last few weeks, the last month or so, it's likely put out there to try to manipulate this process, right? You have agents that are leaking info to try to make their clients look better. You have teams leaking stuff in hopes that they can get a player to fall to them maybe a few spots later than expected. Whenever you read a report, I always tell people, you should think about who would benefit the most from that information being out there and then try to figure out, does that increase or decrease the odds of that specific thing being true? And to be honest, You should be doing that for all news you read, not just NFL, not just fantasy football posts for everything you see. But regardless, we did get an actual big piece of news that broke this week. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the Aaron Rodgers trade, what that means fantasy wise for players on both teams. And then I'm going to go over some of the other players who might get traded between now and the end of the draft. There's a lot of big names that could be on the move. could be really, really exciting. And then we'll finish up. I'm going to quickly run down my final pre-draft rookie rankings. I'll go over the top 10. I'll mention some other guys that I like a little deeper, even though, as I've said this year, maybe more than ever, draft capital is going to be really big in terms of impacting how we should value the second and third tier prospects in this class. So the rankings, they'll definitely change after the draft. They always do a little bit, but this will at least give you an idea of who I like heading into the draft. And then we'll be able to compare and contrast once these guys actually hear their names called and we know where they're going to play. But let's start with Aaron Rodgers finally getting dealt to the Jets. And as always, people are going to argue about the compensation. I'm not really concerned about that because it doesn't really impact fantasy that much. The Jets and the Packers, they swap picks in the first round this year. So that moves the Jets from 13 to 15. Packers move up a couple spots. Then the Packers get one of the Jets second round picks. That's a pretty high second rounder. So they get that to work with this year. And then next year, unless Rodgers gets hurt, the Packers are likely going to have the Jets first round pick. If he doesn't play 65% of the games, it'll be a second, but he'll probably play 65% of the games. So they're likely going to have that first round pick from the Jets. So those are the main elements of the deal. Now, On the Jets side, this is great. There's really no other way to sell it. I've seen some people out there trying to say this is a bad thing, but as long as Rodgers is motivated, and I think he will be, you take a team who their major weakness last season was the quarterback play, and now you bring in one of the best to ever do it to fill that hole. And I get Rodgers isn't in his prime anymore, but he is a massive upgrade over Zach Wilson and Mike White and Joe Flacco. I mean, we even saw last year when Zach Wilson was out there, how poorly the team was performing. And then you put a guy like Mike White or Joe Flacco and fantasy wise, they were producing pretty well. Well, guess what? Now you get Aaron Rodgers added to a team that already has a top five defense. That's a really young, hungry group. there. a team with an outstanding set of skill position players. I mean, Brees Hall, one of the best running backs in the league already. If he didn't get hurt last season, 
people would just be falling all over themselves to try to acquire him in fantasy. And we'll have to monitor the ACL rehab, but it seems right now like it's pretty straightforward in terms of an ACL injury. So barring any complications, he should have a chance to be ready really early in the season, maybe even for week one could be close to 100% by that point. And he's somebody that I'm starting to warm up a little bit too. I know early in the off season, when I look at all the injury stuff, a little scared off by ACL tears and there's different versions. Like I'm saying, you know, Javante Williams has one that could have a few more complications and that could really set him back. But right now, Brees Hall seems like he could be ready early in the year. And I've heard some really positive reports about his recovery. So when he's healthy, He is going to be a top five running back in fantasy for years to come. I mean, he averaged the seventh most fantasy points last season at the position and the offense should be even more dangerous. Now, New York also has another sophomore stud at receiver Garrett Wilson, an amazing rookie campaign for him in 2022. And it's funny to see people debating him on Twitter recently. It's just, it's so silly. I mean, the guy looked the part of a budding superstar last year earned 147 targets as a rookie, finished with 83 catches, over 1,100 yards, four touchdowns, and did most of his damage, let's face it, in games when Zach Wilson didn't start. And knowing that the Jets would probably find an upgrade at quarterback this offseason, I've had Wilson as a wide receiver one in redraft since January when I put out the first version of my rankings for 2023, and he's been a top five dynasty wideout for me since then as well. And I'll also say it's worth noting that when Rodgers was asked about the Jets offense last year when they played Green Bay, he highlighted number 17. That's Wilson. He highlighted him as a future star. Now he gets to play with him. So I am all in on Wilson this season. You also have Alan Lazard there. And yes, he's got the history with Rodgers. He's a solid second option, but fantasy-wise, more of a compiler, more of a wide receiver four for fantasy. I think he's a better real-life weapon than a fantasy option. And we'll see what they do with Corey Davis, too. There was some talk that they might let him go or trade him. That's been happening over the last couple months. They haven't done either yet. They also brought in speedster Miko Hardman. But either way, I think Davis and Hardman, they're just depth pieces in that offense or really waiver wire targets if an injury occurs ahead of them on the depth chart. Now, Someone that I've been stashing just in case Rodgers ends up in New York, which has finally happened, is Tyler Conklin at tight end. And he flashed a little bit last year. He's got a lot of names that he would have to pass in the tight end rankings before we really considered him as a starting option for fantasy. But he deserves to be in the tight end two mix. And he has an outside shot. A lot of guys do. I mean, doesn't take that much to get up into the low end tight end one ranks, but he has a shot to get up into that range. Probably will settle in more as a bi-week replacement guy, but I would keep him in mind at the end of your drafts. I'm sure we're going to start hearing more about him over the summer, about all these guys really that we mentioned on the Jets. The coverage is going to increase now that Rodgers is there, so it's going to be a lot of coverage of those names for sure. And then for Rodgers himself, he doesn't run as much as he used to, and therefore he would need significant yardage and or you know touchdown totals to really climb in the fantasy rankings. For now, I see him in that Kirk Cousins range, so he's a good quality high-end QB2. He'll have some QB1 weeks for sure, but likely won't have the numbers to push his way up into the top half of the QB1 range with the guys, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near that range now, especially since the Jets defense is so good and I've seen some people mention that the Jets could bring in another receiver maybe with their first round pick. I think that's possible, 
but I would be surprised if they don't use some of these early picks on the offensive line to try to protect Rodgers, right? We saw the Buccaneers do something similar when they went out and got Tom Brady. You got to protect those older quarterbacks and the Jets still have, they have the first round pick and they still have a second. So they got some pieces early to work with there. On the Packers side, they have three top 50 picks now. They have 13, 42, and 45. And the roster is pretty strong. I know it's unfortunate that Rodgers is leaving there. Outside of the questions at quarterback, though, I think the roster's pretty good. Matt LaFleur's system, it could really help get the job done on offense, even though you are losing a Hall of Fame quarterback under center. But that system can win when you play inside of it. And I don't think that Rodgers was a huge fan of kind of being limited by the system at times. I think that caused some issues over the last few years. But what I'm saying is that Jordan Love, he doesn't have to do it all himself. He doesn't have to step in and be Aaron Rodgers. He can play within the scheme. He can lean on the talent around him. I mean, they have two really good running backs, a really you know intriguing young receiving core. So it's not all doom and gloom for Green Bay, even though they are losing one of the best players of all time. Love has some upside to his game. There's a non-zero chance that, you know, sitting for three years, it's given him the time to really get comfortable in that building and he could come out and surprise people. I still think it's a longer shot. I don't think that he's going to be the next Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, but I'm approaching him right now as a low-end QB2. I think that that could rise if the Packers do draft a pass catcher early, a receiver or a tight end. And wouldn't that be hilarious? I mean, if they finally spent a first round pick on a receiver after Rodgers is gone, I mean, you couldn't write it any better if that's what happens. And with love in the offense now, I project that they're going to rely pretty heavily on the running backs, on Aaron Jones, on A.J. Dillon. Jones, a high-end RB2, and he's got that RB1 upside still. Dillon, more of an RB3 with RB2 potential if the offense finds its rhythm. But you have to figure there's probably going to be less scoring opportunities with Rodgers not there. And you know the receivers are going to take a hit. There's no way around that. Christian Watson had some big games last year, but he was doing a lot of it with just out-of-this-world touchdown efficiency He's going to take a hit in that department. Regression's going to come for him. So he's in the wide receiver three range for me right now. I think a lot of people probably have him higher than that. But I admit there is a much bigger ceiling there for him, especially if they don't bring in any target competition in the draft. And then Romeo Dobbs certainly flashed with Rodgers under center. I mean, he'll have a harder time posting you know, noteworthy fantasy totals with love there. He wasn't exactly a consistent producer last year, so he's more of a dart throw option for fantasy. And the Packers don't really have a tight end to discuss here. I mean, that's why a lot of people are mocking a tight end to them early in the draft. I think that's definitely a possibility. We could see one of the top guys go to Green Bay. From what it looks like, this is an excellent tight end class, so a lot of potential here. And it's an offense where a quality tight end could step in and emerge pretty quickly as the number two pass catching option. So if Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer or Sam Laporta, if one of these big time tight end prospects goes there, he could have some real fantasy value in Green Bay. So that's how I'm viewing the post Rogers landscape for the Packers and for the Jets. Always fun to see a star get traded like this. And Rogers is probably not going to be the only name that gets moved this week. Let's face it. I mean, it really sounds like the Cardinals are looking to move DeAndre Hopkins. He'll probably go to a contender. I mean, my bills are heavily in the mix for his services, allegedly. That's what some people are saying. There's rumors out there. There's a few other teams in the mix too, but he's maybe the most likely star to get traded this week. You also have Dalvin Cook's name. He's been in trade rumors for a while this offseason. 
The Vikings could also cut him. That's on the table too, just given Cook's age and the injury history with that shoulder, plus the contract that they gave to Alexander Madison, it was pretty good money for a backup. So Cook's time in Minnesota could be coming to an end. I know the Dolphins have been linked to him. Derrick Henry, another back who's getting up there in age. And we've had a few injury analysts suggest over the last season or two that the drop-off could be coming in 2023. And maybe the Titans trade Henry and then they draft Bijan Robinson in the first round. That's possible. I mean, you would think that after trading AJ Brown and then drafting Traylon Burks, that really didn't work out for them last year, but it's a different situation with a running back. Either way, Henry's been mentioned in trade talks, so don't be stunned if he's moved. I would be shocked if Austin Eckler actually gets traded, but we know he's not happy with the contract situation. He's requested a trade. Still, it is hard to see the Chargers, who are kind of on the cusp of challenging It would be hard to see them granting that one for him. I mean, he's just such a big part of their offense. But there's other guys with contract issues, right? Lamar Jackson, even more publicized than the Austin Eckler contract dispute. Lamar Jackson, the standoff with the Ravens, it's continuing. There were some reports that the 49ers were considering making a move for him. That came out today. Whether that's true or not, who knows? You know, at least maybe they've had discussions about it in the building. A Lamar trade on draft day would absolutely break the internet, right? I would love to see that, especially if he goes to the 49ers, maybe have Trey Lance going the other way because Lance, we talked about him last week potentially getting dealt, right? Apparently, it's been quiet on the trade front for him, but one of these teams that ends up without a quarterback in round one, somebody might come calling for the 49ers after Thursday, right? And Friday afternoon or Friday night, if the Texans or the Colts or Maybe one of these teams that has an older veteran quarterback like the Vikings or the Titans, maybe they make a move. It just seems like it would be best for all parties at this point in terms of Lance and the 49ers if they do just go their separate ways and give Lance a fresh start somewhere else. Sticking with San Francisco, I mean, Brandon Ayuk, he's been speculated as a trade candidate too, just because the 49ers can't pay everyone in that offense. Kind of like how T. Higgins on the Bengals, his name's been thrown out there a bunch in speculation as well. You know, number two wideouts with the potential to be a number one in an NFL offense. A lot of interest in them around the league, obviously. So keep them in mind for potential draft day deals. And then we still have the Broncos wideouts. I mean, they were mentioned in trade talks for the last few months. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, that's obviously who I'm talking about. And even though Sean Payton threw some cold water on that, it's not out of the question that we could see one of those guys get moved maybe for picks over the next few days. So lots of possibilities. And I think we're going to see at least a couple of those guys get traded over the next few days. And don't worry, we're going to cover all of it in upcoming episodes. We'll probably do one later this week and then another one early next week. Before we get out of here, though, I said I would go over my final pre-draft rookie rankings. Let's quickly do that. And this is for Superflex and two quarterbacks. So if you're curious how I have them in single quarterback formats, you can find that in the rookie rankings table on the score. I have values for both formats in there. So no surprise at number one, we don't have to spend a lot of time on Bijan Robinson. Prospect-wise, he's right there with the elite college running backs who've entered the NFL. Maybe the best we've seen since Saquon Barkley came out, and that's only part of the story, right? We still need to figure out which team he's going to end up on, but a talent like Bijan, he's going to thrive no matter where he goes. And even if he does have competition for a year, if he went somewhere like the Chargers, he's been mocked there a little bit. Maybe he goes there because they're worried about the Austin Eckler situation. In time, Robinson is going to take over that backfield, even if it does take a year or so. So don't worry about that. 
He is going to be an outstanding running back in the league for a long time. And if he gets the kind of draft capital that we're expecting, if he ends up going as a top 10, top 12 pick maybe to a team like the Falcons at eight or the Eagles at 10, he is just going to be a stud right out of the gate. It's going to be awesome to see. I have him as my number one dynasty running back already, which I never thought I would do for a running back coming out when we just don't know how he's going to assimilate into the pros. But guess what? Bijan is that good. And the situation at running back with guys like Brees Hall, Javante Williams, and some injuries up there, Bijan Robinson, number one running back in dynasty and my number one pick in the rookie rankings. Number two in my rankings is quarterback Bryce Young. And there's some concerns about his size, the durability, but he's the safest quarterback prospect this year in terms of talent, in terms of the poise in the pocket. He's the overwhelming favorite right now to go number one to the Panthers, and that could be a nice landing spot right away. There's some underrated weapons in that offense. They've gone out and got some good players. Adam Thielen is definitely near the end, but DJ Shark is a pretty good player. Hayden Hurst, I think, is someone that's underrated. Miles Sanders, I think, can do more than what we saw from him in Philly. Yeah, Frank Wright there, too, to help him, right? A former NFL quarterback himself who can help guide a young QB. I see Young as a long-term franchise quarterback, even though he might not have the elite ceiling of a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Still a really good player and a guy that you want on your fantasy team. At number three, I'm sticking with CJ Stroud here for now. I hear the detractors. And I'm not convinced that this isn't just teams trying to sabotage his value so that he falls. Because to me, Stroud looked the part. I know he had incredible talent around him at Ohio State, but this seems like Justin Fields all over again, where we like the prospect. And then as the draft approaches, their value drops for no real reason other than hearsay and rumors. So as long as he gets top 10 draft capital, Stroud is going to remain my number three. At number four, one of his wideouts, Jackson Smith and Jigba, one of the stars at Ohio State. The people who are telling you that JSN is a slot-only player in the pros, I think they're just flat-out wrong. He was a big-time producer, went healthy in college. He even did it in a crowded receiver room with guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Marvin Harrison Jr., who we're going to be talking about in next year's class. Plus, JSN tested really well. He's very quick, he's agile, and he's got enough speed to play outside. Would he be best in the slot? Yeah, but a lot of receivers would be best in the slot. So JSN isn't a Jamar Chase level prospect, but he's just a tier below that, and he's going to be a really quality fantasy producer for the next decade or so. At number five, I'm chasing the upside of Anthony Richardson. He's more of a project than the first two quarterbacks that we just talked about, but The canvas is there for a team to just paint a really beautiful picture with him. He has all the tools. Now we just need him to land in the right organization, a team that can develop him and build around him like the Bills did with Allen or the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. So landing spot is going to affect him more than most, but there's an elite ceiling in the right situation for Richardson, maybe the highest of any quarterback in this class. At number six, I'm going back to running back with Jameer Gibbs. He's not a perfect prospect by any means. He's undersized, around 200 pounds, but he has incredible receiving skills. The profile is there for him to be a real big-time pass-catching weapon out of the backfield in the pros. Might not be great between the tackles at the next level. I mean, I question whether he's going to be used as a goal linebacker enough to really boost his fantasy value into kind of the top-notch range, but the speed is top shelf. 
the receiving skills are as well. And that's a big part of the puzzle for fantasy running back. So let's just hope that he doesn't go down the DeAndre Swift path because Swift was somebody else that I really liked coming out, but Swift hasn't been able to stay healthy. And though he has all the talent to be a star, his team kind of eventually seemed like they wanted to lean on other backs. And for Swift, it's been Jamal Williams or they went out and got David Montgomery. Hopefully we don't see something similar happen with Gibbs where he just sort of ends up in a committee but it is possible with a guy with that kind of profile. At number seven, Will Levis. You've heard plenty about him lately. Could be a top two pick if the betting markets are right. Now he's a little bit older. He turns 24 this year. I just wasn't as impressed with his production or with his tape as some of the other quarterbacks in this class, but it sounds like some teams out there were, and I'll be the first to admit, I talked about this a little bit last week, that the draft community, the fantasy community, we get it wrong plenty. And guys we've already talked about, like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Justin Herbert's another name, guys who came out and there was a little bit of a negative vibe around them and they went in the late first or maybe into the second round of a lot of rookie drafts when they came out and then they turned into fantasy heroes. And not everybody is going to overcome that. Not everybody is going to turn into a stud for fantasy like that. But if Levis gets the draft capital, He might move up a spot or two for me. I would just, I'd have a hard time taking him over Young or Stroud or Richardson, but he probably would jump Gibbs in that scenario. At number eight, Quinton Johnston. He's one of the few big bodied receivers at the top of this class, but he's surprisingly good after the catch. He is not just your prototypical outside big bodied guy. He can give you a lot more. I think he's being slept on a bit because People have been let down by some of these TCU receivers in recent years. And Johnston is my second favorite wideout this year. I'll be happy to take him at this point in rookie drafts. At number nine, Jordan Addison. I like him. Don't get me wrong. I know some people have him as their top receiver coming out, but it's hard for me to get behind some of these smaller wideouts. He's just over 170 pounds. He doesn't have elite speed. So my projection is that he's going to be a better real life addition than he will be a fantasy asset. But if he gets the top 20 draft capital that many expect, it's going to be hard to pass on him here. At number 10, Zach Charbonnet. And the running back class kind of drops off after this. So Charbonnet has a nice mix of size and receiving ability. He's been rumored to be a late first round pick at worst early second. He's got that three down potential in my mind. And with teams like the Bengals picking in that range, Charbonnet could find himself as a starter in 2023. And if he does get ready for him to move up a few spots in the rankings, because I think he's closer to a Jameer Gibbs than he is to my RB4 and the guys below him at the position. Now I'm going to stop there after 10, because I think, like I said, there is a drop off after this, not just at running backs, but kind of across the board. I could have mentioned Zay Flowers. He's the closest to that group in terms of how I'm valuing them, but he's another smaller wide out, just 180 pounds-ish, but in the right spot, he could flourish. So I do like him. I'll mention some other picks that I'm high on entering the draft here. Finding non-first round quarterbacks who can become fantasy starters, it's very rare. I know it happens. We can all reference the Tom Brady's and the Russell Wilson's of the world, but it happens far less often than you think. So I don't really mess with that normally in my drafts. I don't take a lot of shots on those guys from the later rounds at quarterback. At running back, Zach Evans, he looked like the complete package to me. And I know there's a lot of varying opinions on him as there are with a lot of the running backs after those top three, but Evans moves well. He has really good vision. He can pass protect too. So that's important for rookie backs in order to get on the field and to get playing time. 
I just hope that a team values him as a day two pick because if he falls to day three, I won't be as interested. Another running back, Israel Banacanda, tested just through the roof. He looks like he could step in and be part of a committee right away, maybe eventually take over a backfield, but he might need a pass catching option there to pair with him. And then there's lots of running backs in this class who could be interesting depending on the draft capital and the landing spot. But those are two of my favorites from that potential day two group. I can't wait to see where they kind of all land though, in terms of round two, round three. And just remember, like I said, if they go past round three, the odds of them hitting become a lot, a lot longer. At receiver, I like Marvin Mims, but it seems like everyone does, so he'll probably be overdrafted now. The one that I've been on since the start, and I've been so happy to see him generate some buzz in recent weeks, is Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. He's one of the few big-bodied wideouts in this class. Like I said, there's not that many of them, and he pairs a physicality with a big playability, so teams will likely fall for that. They will likely be very excited about him. He might not be a true number one receiver in the NFL, but he can be an overqualified number two in the right offense. I would look for him to go in the second round, and I think when he does, he's going to start moving up people's boards after that. And then I have to mention the tight ends again. I talked about them earlier in the show when we talked about Green Bay, but Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta, Darnell Washington, uh, even guys like Musgrave and Zach Koontz, so many intriguing tight ends in this year's class. A few that should get first round draft capital attached to them too. And somebody like Kuntz is a deeper prospect, but he just crushed the athletic testing. And that's something that you're looking for in a fantasy tight end. You don't always need big college production from them, but you do want an athletic freak who just lands in the right offense and gets that opportunity. So I would monitor where all these guys go because I think we're gonna be talking about most of them, if not all of them in fantasy for a long time. And Kincaid is my favorite of the bunch as a really good pass catcher. Hopefully he's healthy enough for teams to get excited about his potential. Mayer might be the best all-round tight end in the group, but Laporta, Kuntz definitely should be on your radar, especially in tight end premium leagues. But that is all for today's show. If you're looking for more content like my redraft rankings or my dynasty trade value charts, if you're trying to get a trade done before the draft happens on Thursday night, you can find all that for free over at The Score. I'll have a live article during the first round. I'll be doing analysis and early stat projections for every skill position pick. And then I'll be back Thursday night or maybe Friday morning to go over the fantasy fallout from round one and to look ahead to day two of the draft. I'll also have updated rankings and trade value charts and depth charts and all that stuff. It will all be updated in the days after the draft. So a very busy week ahead. But for now, big thanks to all the prospects for just putting themselves through this very weird job interview process that leads up to the draft. I mean, the combine, the interviews, the pro days. And then you don't even get to pick what city you work in. It is just such a strange way to start your career, but it provides a ton of entertainment for the football community and the players get paid pretty well for their troubles too, let's face it. So thanks to them. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said.